Meltface Productions. This is Listening Glass. Enjoy some outtakes from episode nine, Microdosing. In this day and age, it just seems, it's almost like if you're not feeling a bit anxious and depressed, like, what are you feeling? Or what, like, what are you even paying attention to, man? Yeah. But maybe maybe that is just a very kind of cynical postmodern way of. I don't. I certainly don't think that we need to be depressed and anxious. I yeah. Th- I think it's hard to avoid, and that's why so many people struggle with it. Yeah. I think it takes uh, my personal philosophy, and we're getting a little off track, but it's is that if I I have this idea that if I do all the right things, I won't be anxious and depressed, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And like, there's a whole long list of what the right things are, like exercise doing the podcast (laughs) and the podcast for me represents like staying busy Mm. right like staying engaged and curious and having projects that are meaningful Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and kind of like creating that meaning right and self-assigning that meaning yeah because we live in an age where you have to do that right like you have to self-assign meaning and like work toward things that are important to you um we don't have you know a societal structure where you're kind of given a role and you do the role and then you're, you're like a complete like part of society at that point like you got to kind of figure it out on your own and keep figuring it out mm-hmm. right like we never totally you out it's a process mm-hmm. so like whenever i find i kind of like slouch a little and become disengaged with that process i get more on the anxious and depressed side um but i've never i don't feel like even staying busy and stuff i'm i'm definitely not immune to anxiety and depression still like mm-hmm. i <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know there's other things like exercise i think i mentioned that meditation um, just like being healthy, like anything yeah, you can do. Getting enough healthy. sleep. It's a yep, big one. Sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, having um having right relationships in your life, you mm-hmm. know, I think that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Causes a lot of people stress. Like you could be doing everything right, like mm-hmm. quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But if there's a stressful relationship with another person in your life, then yeah. it's gonna harsh the mellow. Another one is living with integrity. Oh, that's a big one. Like living, Mm -hmm. if you have, and this is something, it could be with your job, it could be with relationships, but if something's kind of bugging you about the way you're behaving and you don't feel quite at peace with it, that'll just definitely undermine like any sense of peace of mind (laughs) that you have. Oh yeah. It's, I feel like our consciences are like these hyper-focused, like nagging mechanisms okay actually i'm really glad you mentioned that word because i I was hoping that this tangent would lead somewhere and now yeah. it has <laughs> okay excellent excellent so conscience i think is a really operative word mm. when we're talking about dealing with depression and anxiety and there's actually a part of the brain called it's not really a, a part like there's a little lobe but it's more um, a, con- a collection of parts of the brain that are active. Mm. And it's called the default mode network. And this is the, the collection of areas in your brain that is active when we are self-reflecting and thinking about ourselves or daydreaming or doing mental t- time travel where we're kind of imagining what could happen in the future or we're reflecting on what happened in the past, like uh, my breakup or relationship stuff, kind of mulling things over. Mm. That's all default mode network stuff. Mm. And I think the term, the de- the term default mode actually comes from brain, there are scientists doing brain scans of people in a so-called resting state where they weren't being asked to do any cognitive task. And so they were just kind of free to think about whatever. And these were the, this was the area that would light up mm. when people 
meditate, it kind of deactivates it um, because you're not doing the mind wander stuff. And you're also learning to control it and like not mm. go into that so-called default mode, which mm. is just like if your mind's doing nothing else, it's going to ruminate and mull over things in the future or do this like self-conscious thing where you're self self-reflecting and thinking, oh, gee, like is the podcast like really like my purpose in life like it, am mm. i doing it well enough mm. um you know maybe i don't do enough research blah 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 you know like all this like self-judgment stuff is is very much a part of it and it's very much linked to depression hmm. um they find that people with more active default mode networks are more depressed hmm. and okay. anxious and worrying is really like one of the functions of the default mode network and so this is a sort of promising connection. Anything you can kind of do to, and this is, it's been kind of a, a big change or a, a big revelation for me to think of the default mode network as a kind of like negative space to spend a lot of time in. Like mm -hmm. you've got to do a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. You have to, like self-reflection, I would usually think of as a good thing. And sometimes even daydreaming, I think of as a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, I would agree. There's a sort of like inner richness that can come from that kind of like imaginative work that we do. But I think if you're stuck there too often, then that's where we start to see problems, right? Mm. If mm -hmm. you're spending too much of your life, uh, as John Lennon would say, life is what happens while you're making other plans. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. So get out of the like making plans, worry state and get into the just being present with what you're doing and, mm -hmm. and and seeing the things that you're doing as being worthy of that full engagement and attention. And that's, it's been a big game changer for me actually in the last couple of weeks as I think, as, as I've thought about it more. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Well, it's just what you're talking about reminds me of, of what people are referencing when they talk about mindfulness, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. It, like exactly the whole being in the now mindfulness. It seems like the antithesis of the, what is it? The default Default mode. Mode. Network. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it seems to be like mindfulness seems to be like the active rejection or or just diverting your consciousness into parts of your existence that are not in the default mode at all. Right. Yeah. Yep. Instead of letting the mind wander, bring it to something beautiful or an object of appreciation or even just into your yourself, your breathing, your body. Anything right. that actually is instead of something you're thinking or right. imagining, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is interesting how this seems to be just a thing that humans in general enjoy is like being present mm -hmm. and being absorbed, being engaged, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, like, I read this cool, um, it was an oatmeal comic uh, that my partner shared with me and on happiness. It was his rumination on happiness. Mm -hmm. And basically what he was talking about was he was saying, oh, I don't know if I'm happy, you know, I don't know if I'm a happy person, but, you know, I'm so engaged when I'm making this comic mm -hmm. and here are all these other things that I do that have meaning for me and that, you know, bring presence into my life. And 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 I think the point that he was making was that, happiness is maybe kind of a superficial and subjective and potentially fleeting experience in life, but that 
some of the deeper things that human beings crave are just being engaged. Yeah. Just, just actually existing in the experience they're having. Yeah. And I think that that's just, you know, certainly a lot of the, um, you know, Eastern philosophical masters yeah. have made that argument. Really? I didn't yes. know that actually. Yeah. But so about basically just talking about how like, yeah, the concept of emotion and having a feeling. It's mm -hmm. like, I think in the West, this idea, it's the pursuit of, of, um, happiness, right? Mm -hmm. what, what, what is that phrase? The pursuit of pursuit of happiness, freedom, uh, life, liberty, life, and liberty, pursuit and of happiness. Pursuit of happiness, right? <laughs> so it's this kind of Western notion of a life well lived is those things, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that certainly, When Actually, you... I think that's a brilliant <clears throat> phrase, pursuit of happiness, just for a second here, because you pursuit is key. Yes. Right? Right. In fact, maybe the pursuing of it is, is, is... The, what results in it, right? <laughs> like you don't get it without working. Could be. Yeah. Could be. But so, but there's this, the, the Eastern philosophical bent on it is kind of like, um, you know, feelings and emotions are fleeting. Mm -hmm. And I think the concept is it's almost like trying to catch the wind or something, yeah. you know, and, and that a, a Eastern philosophical conception of a life well lived is more around um, the quality of your experience in your life, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how present are you to your feelings? How present are you to the moment that you're living in? Mm -hmm. um, how essentially and fundamentally are you inhabiting this consciousness, mm -hmm. which you have? Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, that's just an interesting thing for me to contrast. Those are two very, very different concepts of a life well lived. Mm, yeah, and, and they rest upon a bunch of you know, I mean, just thousands of years of cultural assumptions. Well, like, it reminds me of the Zen phrase, since you brought up Eastern philosophy, chop wood, carry water. Mm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea being, work, like, Zen is work, right? Like, yeah. you do the things you have to do to live. Yeah. And to maintain life and to, to survive and to take care of all the little necessities. And you do that knowing that, basically that is your purpose and like allowing yourself to be present in those moments and in those activities. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I want to, this might be a little more controversial, but I want to break into it because I think there is this idea that's been expressed. I know in, in conversations I've had where we all sort of deserve to be happy and that we don't, we shouldn't necessarily have to do anything to earn our happiness. Right. Mm. <laughs> and that, I'm trying to think of how that else that might be expressed, but I, I feel like that is a way I've heard it expressed where you're basically perfect as you are and there's really nothing you need to do to like earn, I'll say, let's say self-worth, I guess, mm -hmm. is maybe more what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think that definitely should be, I don't think we should think of it as we need to do anything to deserve self-worth because I think everybody is absolutely very valuable and beautiful and like complete just like as yeah. a person. Yeah. But I think that's different than saying that we deserve happiness and it, mm. like f for nothing. I think that happiness does come at a, a cost. And what I mean by cost is that it, it requires expenditure of energy and mm -hmm. intention and effort. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe that. And I, I think mm -hmm. if we, I think some people get quagmired a little bit by believing that they should just be happy just because. 
Right. And I just don't think it's true. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's like people think of a happiness as a being instead of a doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think you're right. Like it's if you just look at any given example. Like, you know, like people often talk about children, right? They'll say, oh, children are so innocent and they're, you know, it's, they look at this as kind of like a, a primordial human state, right? Mm -hmm. And what you notice about watching a child is that they just vacillate wildly among <laughs> these different experiences and, you know, like, yeah, you know, I mean, I suppose like a, a healthy child does spend a lot of time kind of joyfully bopping about and playing and stuff but you know they also spend a lot of time crying a lot mm -hmm. of time throwing tantrums and being tyrannical and stuff and so mm -hmm. you know I, yeah i think it just lends credence to the idea that the default mode right the, the default state of a human just to assume that that should be happy mm -hmm. is a, it's an incomplete mm -hmm. picture I usually think, I definitely think of happiness as earned in my own life. And like, if I don't really apply myself, or as you said, engage mm. myself throughout the day, mm. then at, I know at night I'm going to be kind of like miserable, mm. you know, like I'm not mm -hmm. going to feel good. Like happiness is like dessert for me. <laughs> it's, okay. It's okay. like, I do all the things I need to do at night and then at, at, or um, during the day and then yeah. at night I'm like rewarded with this sense of fulfillment. And that's a, mm. like, it's a certain type of happiness, but, sure. right? that sense of fulfillment, which is really important. But I do, I definitely want to aim at being just like happy and present with the things I'm doing throughout the day too. So I'm also yeah. like, um, you know, to quote Ecclesiastes, which I'm a huge fan of, <laughs> um, you know, nothing is better for a person than that they should eat and drink and enjoy the good in their labor. And so allowing mm -hmm. us to enjoy the good in our labor while we're doing it too is just mm -hmm. crux, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since, you know, a substantial amount of your life will be labor. Yes. So learning how to take pleasure in it is yeah. is really just adding to the hours of your life that you're feeling pleasure. Woo! Yeah. I There was one more thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up. Okay. But I was reading about a woman uh, named Maria Sabina from Mexico. And... Um, she was the person who's kind of known for like turning the, however you want to call it, like the, the world of white people onto, um, psychoactive drugs and, and specifically mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And basically she, uh, was a shaman mm -hmm. and she was practicing out of Oaxaca and um, she had this practice, you know, just and it was a very traditional practice where she uh, the the region is known for growing really fantastic mushrooms. And she would lead these ceremonies and they were called it was called Velada. Hmm. And it was basically just, a you know, a shamanistic and oftentimes a healing ceremony. Mm -hmm. People would come in with their families um, you know, maybe someone was dealing with a health issue and, you know, everyone would take the mushrooms and there was a whole ceremony around it. Mm -hmm. And it was a really cool thing that was happening. So anyway, there was this, um, there was this guy, R. Gordon Wasson. So he was a banker. He was also an ethnomycologist. Mm -hmm. And so he was really interested in how people use mushrooms. 
And so he tracked down Maria Zabina mm -hmm. and came and basically did a ceremony with her and was like, this is amazing. I've got to share this with the world. And so he wrote an article for Life magazine that was published in 1957, and it was called Seeking the Magic Mushroom. Mm. So, um, so anyway, so this was published in 57. Shortly thereafter, Timothy Leary showed up. Mm. and was like, okay, let's check this out. Mm -hmm. And then soon the word got out, and then next thing you know, Mick Jagger and John Lennon and you know all these kids and whatever in the 60s, they were all showing up to Oaxaca and, and trying to get in on this no magic way. mushroom ah, thing. Right. Okay. So that was really kind of like the start of the boom of, of the, you know, psychedelic uh, movement in the 60s, mm -hmm. right? And so, but it has a really tragic ending to this story. Mm. So basically the Mexican police started to suspect and started to profile Maria Sabina as like a drug dealer. Mm. And so they showed up and they, they started to kind of, um, to put it mildly, ruin the trip, right? Okay. And they just started cracking down and making life really hard in, in Oaxaca. Yeah. Right. And basically, the people of the town were like, we don't want this. We haven't been particularly excited to have all of these, you know, random white people showing up anyway. Mm -hmm. And basically, they ran her out of town mm -hmm. and they destroyed her house and they discredited her. And they were like, no more. We're not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, get out of here, basically. And so. You know, so Maria was like really basically her sharing of this kind of sacred ancient medicine really brought about her ruin. Mm -hmm. And um, in her later life, she had a lot of bitterness around it. Um, and she felt like a lot of people had profited mm -hmm. from her medicine. And she said that she felt the ceremony of the Velada had been irredeemably desecrated and polluted by the hedonistic use of mushrooms. Like people had really deeply disrespected mm -hmm. the spiritual tradition that she came from. And she said, this is a quote, from the moment the foreigners arrived, the holy children lost their purity. They lost their force. They ruined them. Henceforth, they will no longer work. There is no remedy for it. Wow. And so she really felt that the the potency and the beauty and the magic of the mushrooms and the connection had been desecrated by this kind of um, disrespectful, hedonistic, like, let's all get fucked up kind of an attitude wow. that people had brought with it. Yeah. And the reason that I bring this up is that I, I just wanted to highlight that I, I think that this happens a lot where some random person from you know from like a european culture or you know um from maybe a more modern quote unquote culture will show up into uh you know just like an indigenous community or basically a community of people in the world just minding their own business mm -hmm. right and someone will show up and they'll discover something that's just like really cool and local and funky and like a really uh powerful existing tradition mm -hmm. right and then it'll blow up and it'll become a fad and it'll become like a cultural movement in like some privileged country like the united states or england right mm -hmm. and then it can bring like an unpublicized amount of ruin onto those cultures and 
I really think that it's like a it's like a modern expression of imperialism mm. in a way,、mm -hmm. and certainly it highlights this kind of insensitive、um, and me focused attitude. And there are a lot of people who kind of will unwittingly cause this kind of disaster with just by pursuing. I would say pursuing an interest or a fascination without really considering the implication,、mm -hmm. and、um, I just think that it's something—it's something to think about.、Yeah. You know, like when people are having their experiences and tripping out, and you know, having fun with their drugs and stuff. To just think about like Maria Savina and think、mm -hmm. about the cost to her and to her community and to her tradition.、Mm -hmm. And、um, that there really is there's a, a, a manner of desecration that has happened there,、mm -hmm. and I don't think it necessarily、um, renders invalid the fact that you know mushrooms or psychoactive substances or plant medicine, like it, it, I think it should be used.、Mm -hmm. You know, I think it can help many, many millions of people, and I and I don't think that that means nothing. Yeah. But I just I want to acknowledge the cost, and I want to acknowledge that、um, like a, there's a great sadness and a great disruption of, and in some cases destroying of traditional、um, medicinal systems that have、mm -hmm. come about as a result of all of this attention.、Hmm. Yeah, let's hope that some of those traditions. Can have like can stay intact, and I can think of other examples where I mean ayahuasca, for ayahuasca example, is basically is a like、example. a cultural export,、mm -hmm. not just in terms of making a brew, but people、mm -hmm. will travel to interact with indigenous communities in order to be led through some of these experiences. Yeah,、uh, I'm sure that comes with its own like problematic list of considerations, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.、Um, but I am one that believes that. If people proceed with an attitude of consideration and respect, that we can have positive interchanges, right,、mm. and 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 a good sharing of their of the cultural richness that we've seen developed by these cultures over thousands of years, right,、mm -hmm. um, and being able to share that in a way that doesn't undermine it or.、Um, What was the word you used? Desecrate. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Desecrate. Yeah. 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 Exactly.、Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you. I think that that's possible.、Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it probably happens as a result of people、um, just basically not making a lot of assumptions、mm -hmm. and maybe having a very involved dialogue with the people they're learning from、mm -hmm. about like what's cool, what's not cool. You know what should be done, what shouldn't be done.、Um, what do you want me to do? Yeah, right. I think that's like a really great place to start,、mm -hmm. and then just respect. You know, if someone's like, "Look, this is really sacred. Don't turn it into a, a drug," right?、Mm -hmm. Then, like, actually respecting that, I think.、Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I mean, it's it's one of these. It's it's hard, right? Because then it makes you think. Well, there's a lot of people in the world suffering, and.、Mm -hmm. They could really benefit from this, and so where do you, you know how do you balance one person's benefit against another person's ruin? It's kind、mm -hmm. of、mm -hmm. interesting. Culture、yeah. is messy. <laughs> It is. 
<laughs> People are messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, Welcome. you know, good, good faith. Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. Don't take too many mushrooms. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Bye.